everyone, and welcome to the AI Innovators Podcast. I'm Rob May, CEO of Nova. This podcast is set up to talk to people doing really creative work in the AI space, academics, entrepreneurs, executives at large companies. We talk to a lot of different people. And my guest today is from Piction Health, which is a startup based in Boston. Please welcome the CEO of Piction, Susan Conover. Susan, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. Excited to be here. Yeah, so so let's dive in and talk about the use of AI as it relates to images of skin, because I, I've looked at some companies in this space over the years and, and related healthcare spaces. And one of the things that comes back is like, cameras are terrible, people are bad at taking pictures. Talk a little bit about the some of the challenges here and, and how you've applied AI and how, how you made all this work. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, we use AI in order to identify skin diseases in order to streamline our virtual care delivery. And photo quality is a really important one. If you don't provide any guidance to a patient, about half of photos won't be usable and reviewable. And so it is is certainly an important area. And it's been a big frustration in the last three years with a lot of dermatologists who've, you know, shifted in some way to doing remote care. So what we found is that if you provide appropriate or the right instructions to patients about like capturing at least three photos, one closer up, one further away in well-lit conditions, making sure the skin is in focus, a variety of different things, you can get pretty far. And what we found is that like smartphone photo taking technology is and has been rapidly advancing over the last five years. And so it is able to reduce blur and make sure you're focused on the right thing better. But then we're also in the process of making a capability where you, it's it's like scanning a check for your bank and uploading a check is like we provide guidance on the screen on how to take the photo and if it's in focus and if they need to retake a photo and stuff. So I'd say it's really, really important and it's hard to get right. But with the increasing number of selfies people take these days or family photos, you can quickly educate people on being able to take good photos pretty fast. So what was your background before this and, and, and how did Piction get started? Did you come from the technical side or the dermatology side or some other angle? Yeah. So I came from the patient side. So I'm originally trained as a mechanical engineer, and then I worked in management consulting and really missed product development. So I came back to school to MIT to go deep in that. And I was first diagnosed with melanoma when I was 22. I tried to see a dermatologist, but was told it would take at least three months to get in. And so I went to my primary care doctor, who was like, we don't have time to wait for you to get in to be seen, you know. And so he just biopsied my mole directly and it ended up being a stage two melanoma. So if I had waited, I honestly, I don't know if I'd still be here. And so that was a a scary enough experience that I, I obsessed about it a bit in my thesis at MIT and fast forward, here we are still obsessing. And so what, what made you decide to do this as a company? Because it's a lot of work. It's very stressful. I mean, you, you and I have hung out in the Boston tech scene before and, and have talked about this kind of stuff, the sort of existential dread that comes from constantly raising funding and kind of running a company with a gun to your head all the time. And so like, like tell us a little bit about that, about that journey. Did you, did you expect to be an entrepreneur or was this idea so compelling or like how, how did you get started? Yeah, I'd say it's a bit of both. I think like this fits my personality in a few ways, but then also understanding more and more about the space 
in healthcare, it's really interesting. I I noticed that it, from a marketing angle, almost every company says, oh, we put patients first, we put patients first. But in practice, it's actually not true. It's usually payers or health systems or pharma or you know some other stakeholder that's number one in practice. And so just realize that you know, I just wasn't seeing anyone else do it and do this effectively and appropriately to make sure every person can access expert care in the skin disease and, and dermatology world. And so I really, you know, like, I guess I'll do it <laughs> if no one else is going to do it. But I did sort of start taking entrepreneurship classes at MIT, and that was a really great forum to understand a lot of different concepts and, and frankly, just build confidence to be able to do a startup, which is not automatic. Oh, yeah, for sure. How similar is the idea to where you got started? Like, did you guys start as a technology for dermatologists or were you sort of a full stack sort of telehealth tool from the beginning or, or has, it, has this evolved in ways over time? Yeah, it's certainly evolved a lot. It first started off as like, as a patient, what if I could take a photo of a mole and understand, you know, what's going on if it's likely to be concerning. And then I think in layering business model factors into it and regulatory factors and just, you know, core stakeholder factors, we've evolved into being basically a a end-to-end solution, a virtual first dermatology practice where we're now open in four states and we're, you know, in the process of getting coverage. We, We just got covered with our two first payers in the state of Connecticut, but we're now live in New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Florida, and delivering care. And sort of two things are remarkable about what we do. One is that we do virtual first care. So if people need biopsies or in-person care, we help them get that care quickly in their area. The second thing is that we are, we've built this largest database in the world of photos of skin diseases with the associated diagnoses. And we've done that across all skin tones, which is a ton of work. We partnered with more than 200 dermatologists in more than 20 different countries in order to do that. And that enabled us to build an AI that's on par with a dermatologist. And we're using that to basically extend the reach of dermatologists to enable them to manage many, many, many more patients than they could otherwise and bring their expertise into it. Because I don't know if you've tried to go see a dermatologist, Rob, but it can take three to six months or even longer, and it's never been worse. And with the rise of cosmetics and Botox and fillers, it's even harder to get in. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's almost any doctor these days. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. So uh, hopefully there'll be people doing versions of Piction Health for for everything. So you you mentioned this data set that you have on skin conditions and and the diagnoses, which which leads me to my next question, which is part of the problem with AI is it's very data centric. And when you take that into healthcare, you have all these privacy rules, particularly HIPAA here in the United States. And, And these rules can get really, really complicated. So can you talk about how HIPAA and related rules might apply to your business and how you get around those, what you can and can't do with the data and just how this impacts Piction? Yeah, certainly. So there's a lot of different sort of regulatory data privacy factors to think about. One is the data that we've brought in to date by partnering with dermatologists. 
One thing that's really important is addressing patient consent. And another thing is de-identification. And that can be really tricky with dermatology data because if it's a you know distinctive wedding ring or a tattoo or a remarkable birthmark. And so it's non-zero effort in sort of creating a standardized process for de-identification. But then in the the provider delivering care side, so we're you know HIPAA compliant, we're certified with a third party that we're HIPAA compliant in all of our processes, both in with data at rest and data in motion. And it's really about making sure patient privacy is number one. And so we're fortunate in that our AI doesn't display specific photos. It's It aggregates across hundreds of thousands of photos to create a result. So a lot of the photos that go into improving the AI are on a back end and just the the result comes out along with information to guide the result for the physician. And then we use AI in a few different ways. One way we're using it in our workflow is to guide the right patient to the right provider at the right time, which is really valuable for optimizing because most of the time what patient doctor sees is just based on who called first and who made an appointment first. And so sort of more effectively managing and routing that, but then a lot of other ways as well. We're incorporating it into where for chronic conditions like psoriasis or eczema, patients can report their symptoms and take photos over time. And if a patient's either staying the same or getting worse, we can escalate that to a dermatologist to potentially change treatment plan. And right as we already discussed, improving photo quality by providing feedback to patients right as they take the photo and a few different ways in order to sort of streamline the end-to-end process, both for patients and providers. So one of the things that has come up when I have invested in an AI business like this is the idea that you are taking an existing business model and bringing some really novel technology to it. And the companies that I've been involved with have this sort of constant debate of, should we be the technology provider to the industry, which has all the downsides of, in your case, like doctors and dermatologists don't know how to buy a lot of technology. There's not always clear paths to go sell to them and get this into their hands. It can be very slow, et cetera. But on the flip side, to go and have to replicate all this functionality and not spend all your venture dollars just on innovation you know, can put you at a fundraising disadvantage sometimes because you you have to raise money for some just infrastructure that your business needs that you know, a, a pure software company sort of might not need. So I'm curious if you thought about that at any point along this journey about that trade-off or, or considered a different path. And and if so, if it's affected, you know, if you've had discussions with your investors about it or if it's infect, affected your fundraising in any way. Yeah, it's a great question. It's certainly a bolder choice to say we're going to solve the problem of dermatology. And we've certainly looked in and tried to deploy other business models that w- you know were getting adoption, but we just realized we wouldn't be able to like reach the growth rate and have the impact we wanted to have in those previous models. So it, it is certainly a big decision to say, we're going to do it all, you know, but we've been really fortunate in that like the last three years, with the pandemic and with like vendors popping up that are like, we're really amazing at patient messaging, or we're really amazing at billing and RCM. So you can get paid by insurers, or we're, we're really amazing at being an API first EHR, that we've been able to do a lot of partnerships to where we're actually getting those services much cheaper than if we had 
work to hire and build those in-house. And it is really important to make sure our pipeline is robust so it's not too fragile against any single vendor. And so that's a sort of engineering trade-off there. But it's allowed us to, like, when we decided to make the shift, we opened our first dermatology virtual clinic two months later. And now we've opened in four states in like four months. We've been very fortunate that we've been able to move that quickly because there is this like infrastructure that truly was not there a year ago or two years ago. But in terms of fundraising, I do I, I, I do hear those questions of like, show me your unit economics or show me your lifetime value of your patient and your CAC are substantially different. What we found at least is that when we talk to prospective investors who really understand our space, they're like, oh, you should, right? Right now is you should have negative margins or zero margins. We really see other companies be able to show that 40 to 65% margin at like series B level at, at this level of growth. And so it's more about communicating, hey, for this type of business, this is one of the trade-offs, but one of the benefits is like your total addressable market is now a hundred a hundred times bigger. And also you don't have to deal with the, you know, very long and frustrating sales cycles of selling into health systems and provider groups. So that's it's pros and cons and every you know, it depends on your application, but we just tried to make the most informed decision that makes the most sense for our area. Yeah, and to your gross margin point, I've seen that in other businesses as well, where you know they they start with sort of negative gross margins, and they sort of look like services companies, and then as there gets to be more and more automation and intelligence built into the system, they do start to look at like software companies at scale, but in a more services oriented business. I actually, when I was at PJC as a venture capitalist, we called this services as software uh, instead of software as service as a model, right? Which um, <laughs> which looks a little bit different than your traditional SaaS in terms of how you evaluate the metrics. So it's cool that you've, you, you've sort of figured that out. So you've been doing this for a while now. What, what unexpected things or surprising challenges have happened as you've been down this path? And I'm, I'm thinking you know, a, a little more on the sort of AI and machine learning side, but, but if there's other you know, business-related things, uh, feel free to mention those as well. Yeah. So I'll say one thing that I wasn't expecting, but it, it turned out to be true is so you know how medicine there's like the long tail of medicine of where technically there are 3,000 different dermatology conditions and so what we had done as an approach you know in our previous model was very 80 20 right of like well these 50 conditions comprise 98 percent of all conditions that appear in in primary care, which was our original environment and use case. But what we found in medicine was just they're like a, a low risk tolerance of like, well, what if it's the 100th disease or what if it's the 200th disease? And even when we would have models and methods of managing those cases that are like either better than what happens in practice or on par with what happens in practice, there was still this expectation of like AI should be fully comprehensive. And and so what we decided to do as a, as a business shift, and it sort of very much fit into this shift towards services and delivering care, is to make sure every case is reviewed and approved by a board-certified dermatologist. I think it's very interesting that that it does appear that tech is held to a different standard than people are. But 
you know, we live and learn. And so we've adapted our model and now, you know, make sure every case is reviewed and approved by a board certified dermatologist. But I really had hopes that we could, you know, be able to provide high yield in a sort of 80-20 way. But that's that's the thing that, you know, we just learned in practice. And I think maybe the world will be there in like five years or 10 years, but we're just not there yet. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. So a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the podcast and they're always trying to figure out what to build. So I'm curious if there's a technical problem that you're not working on at Piction, but that you wish somebody else would solve because it would help your goals or help your company move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I synced up with my co-founder and CTO on this before this chat. I think it's really like making it really simple and easy to verify diagnoses, right? We have multiple dermatologists who've reviewed and verified our diagnoses in our database, but making that a like simple and easy process is really important to have clean data. I think like clean data is really understated and under-discussed and it's an unsexy topic, but <laughs> a very important topic when you're building AI systems. And so I, I think that's like just a pain point we have that we just love if someone else would address it. Yeah, it's the most interesting tangential area to AI where I've seen a lot of interesting startups is addressing the, the data issues, which are just getting worse and worse because of the AI workloads. So it makes <laughs> a lot of sense. So talk a little bit about the future of Piction, you know, the, the vision that you have for the next few years and how AI fits into that. Yeah. My vision of Piction and our mission is to make sure every person who needs it has high quality access to expert dermatology care. And that's like, right, that's just straight access on their terms, patient-oriented experience. And so I think how that fits into our AI journey is that AI can actually enable each dermatologist to manage like 15 times the number of patients they could otherwise, or even more because we're offloading things that they don't need to do in other ways. And so, you know, it sort of fits into this, but it's basically building the largest dermatology practice in the world, which I know is an ambitious vision, but we, you know, really hope to provide care for as many people as possible. And, you know, I, the, the more we deliver care, the more we find these different cases, like right now we're live in Connecticut, and we just get contacted by so many Medicaid patients who are just like, I, you know, I can't get care otherwise. Like specialists just don't take my insurance. We were trying to get someone in person care at one of the major academic medical centers in Connecticut, and they said, "Yeah, we can see your patient in December." And so I think being able to use AI and use our totally new model for delivering care to people who previously could not even dream of getting care because they don't sort of fit well into the current construct of in-person care. I, I'm particularly excited about exploring avenues like that. That's awesome. Well, I, I like to wrap up by asking a more personal question of people that come on the podcast, which is you've, you've obviously done a lot in your career. You've had a lot of success. And so what's, What's one piece of advice that you've learned or you've been given in, along the way that you think has led to that, that you'd just like to share with everybody who's listening? Yeah. To me, what's most important is making sure you're focused on a thing that you really care in your heart about because startups are hard 
And a lot of times these seem thankless and you're going to come up against a lot of walls. And if you don't have that like core motivation helping you get through all those phases, it's really hard to, you know, get to the other side. Often (laughs) startups like are seven to 10 year journeys. People don't realize that they're big commitments. And so make sure it's something that you really care about changing uh, the world on. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. Susan Conover from Piction Health, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. 